1: The Scene to Scene podcast is back to its regularly scheduled programming, publishing episodes on the first, second, and third Tuesday of the month, unless otherwise specified. On today's episode, I discuss the documentary A Woman on the Outside. The film premiered at South by Southwest in March 2022 and won Best Documentary Feature at the American Black Film Festival and won Best North American Documentary Feature at the Mammoth Lakes Film Festival. Filmed over more than four years, the story follows Crystal Bush, a young Philadelphia woman who saw nearly every man in her life disappear to prison. She goes out on the road, driving for her van service, which takes families to visit their incarcerated loved ones in prisons hundreds of miles from the city. She lives that life too. Her father's been locked up for most of her life. Her middle brother has been in prison more than a decade, and her oldest brother cycles in and out of jail. When she's not behind the wheel of the van, Crystal is a social worker and guardian to her brother's young son, Neve. When Crystal's father and brother came home after decades of being behind bars, Crystal and Neve have to navigate what it means to have the men back in their lives as they try to escape the criminal justice system's gravitational pull. Weaving intimate verite scenes with Crystal's videos and social media, a woman on the outside is a portrait of one family striving to love in the face of a system built to break them. A Woman on the Outside is the feature debut of directors Zara Katz and Lisa Reardon Seville, who are also producers. In addition to them, Kiara C. Jones is also a producer whose credits include being co-producer of Rashad Ernesto Green's Premature. What's so special about this film is that it hit home for me when I was a kid, about five or six or seven, between that age, my mom used to get me up around like three o'clock in the morning, get me ready, to go wait for the five o'clock bus to take us upstate to prison to see my stepfather. And it was a really grueling process. You would have to get up on a Saturday morning early. Then you have to get to the bus. Then the bus takes you several hours away. Then once you get to the prison, you have to be thoroughly inspected, which is traumatic. And then you only get to spend about an hour to 90 minutes with the incarcerated. So it's a whole 12-hour ordeal for 60 to 90 minutes of contact. It's it's really, it's really something. And the film really touches on what that experience is like, not just for Crystal, but for the women that she transports to the various prisons. Crystal Bush, as well as Zara Katz and producer Kiara C. Jones, sit down with me to chat about how they became comfortable with the filming process. The prison system and its impact... Incarceration has on families, and how to go about reuniting them. So, with that said, let's get into it. I want to thank all of you for for coming on to Deadline Scene to Scene podcast. And I saw the film South by Southwest and. I don't know. It was really it really meant it was something personal to me because I've dealt with uh, parents in and out of of prisons. And I imagine that that a woman on the outside the documentary will hit people close to home, especially those who have experience with close family members um, being a part of and being taken advantage of in the uh, in the American prison system. Uh, One of the things I want to know is how did the whole project sort of come together? How did you all decide that Crystal was going to be a topic of discussion and that this was something important for others to see?
0: Um, As one of the directors I co-directed the film with uh, Lisa Reardon Seville and Lisa and I both come from journalism backgrounds. Um, Lisa is an investigative reporter and writer and I am a visual producer photo editor and um, we started having discussions about um, covering issues around mass incarceration and ended up starting a Instagram feed that was a collaboration, um, taking a lot of Lisa's work, um, covering issues around prison and incarceration and policy, and my network of photographers and featuring series um, around issues of incarceration for the last 40 years. Um, So that was both inside and outside. And one story that we really felt like was left out um, of this narrative was the story of who picks up the pieces. And so often that was the story that was women's story, um, Mm -hmm. whether it was mother, sister, daughter, girlfriend, um, friend, um, and how important that piece was. in following many other Instagram feeds, we saw um, Bridging the Gap, a prison Mm -hmm. transportation service, having a customer appreciation cookout. And Lisa and I really wanted to start, you know, an original project and have conversations with women about what their experience was Mm -hmm. and what the story would look like if it was told visually, you know, is it, Financial story? Is it an emotional story? Is it a family story? Is it a work story? Um, Is it a transportation story? So we showed up at the cookout and Crystal had been following us um, Mm. on her awesome Instagram feed. And we introduced ourselves and asked, you know, we'd love to talk to anybody who's interested in talking. And Crystal said, oh, talk to my mom and talk to my aunt and talk to this woman, talk to that woman. And You know, we really started to build a relationship um, and continue talking to Crystal until finally she said, you have to come on the van. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, so then we started riding the van um, and documenting that way. And, you know, still really about kind of everybody else's story. Um, And. You know, Crystal will give her version of this too, but I think it was the moment when her brother was released after um, almost 13 years, and then three weeks later, by chance, her father was released after um, 24 years. That we just said, you know, Crystal, can we be there for the these moments? You know, can we come down for other family events? And kind of all had this realization of how life-changing these moments were Um, and, and really continuing those conversations, continuing filming, you know, just talking about what it looks like to bring her own family together.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, and
1: Crystal, you've taken on a whole community and that shows the power of, of what one person can do and imagining what a whole group of people can do. Is is really I, I'm just I'm just saying that I'm just in awe of your power and stamina, if I think that's a good word, because there's a this is a lot. You're raising a child and transporting folks and educating people. How did you conceptualize what your program would sort of look like?
3: Um I grew up in Philly and mm-hmm. I literally educated. As you've seen, when you watch the documentary, I watched every man in my family go to prison. Um, so by me, and therapy actually presented this, but at, when I was doing it at the moment, I didn't really understand as to why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really something that I needed at that moment. Like I, From the time that I was 19... Um, and I was five years old, I have not seen my father. And it was one of the reasons was because his prison was so far. Right. You know, then when I would Google, you know, transportation services that would go up to um, my father's prison, it was like we had to leave out early in the morning um, and meet, you know, at 30th Street. Um, and if you know anything about Philly, Philly is really high in its crime rate. Mm. So I just knew that, okay. If I, you know, create this program and this service, I just don't want these men and women. I mean, these women and children on a corner early in the morning, right. we talk about three o'clock in the morning. So I really started it as like carpooling. You know, it was I was already going up to the prison to visit my my brother. So if I'm already going up to the prison to visit my brother, my mom had this armada, which um, held eight seats, mm-hmm. you know, fill that van. up. I mean, fill that truck up. Um, but as I was going, I didn't even really realize like the extent, I just knew that people kept calling and I knew that it was a demand. Um, and I, I really, I real liked it. It wasn't something. And I said, oh, I'm going to create this program. No, I knew that I didn't see my father from when I, since I was five years old to when I was 19 and I was able to really take myself. And it was because my mom didn't want to take me because, you know, she didn't want to put the extra miles on her car. Um, So I just knew that I would be different Mm -hmm. than the other programs that I did see and I would be more consistent. So a prison van, I mean, a bus service was going like once every three months, whereas I was going like every weekend, you know, Mm so I was able to keep families, you know, like. It was like really like a nonstop like bus ride. Like it was just automatic. Like if they went up on this weekend, I had customers that went on a monthly basis, bi-weekly basis, weekly basis, um, or even just yearly basis where they just wanted to go up for just holidays. Um, but I just, I I really liked it. It wasn't, you know, I didn't know anything about business. Um, I didn't go to school and study business or anything. It was just, I knew that this is what, you know, that like I needed at that moment and other women and other families needed. it
1: did you did you find doing this as a sense of catharsis
3: really? yeah I really honestly I just needed to build community mm-hmm. like you know like when I study criminal justice, I actually just wrote a paper about this um and when I study criminal justice, it was more so from a standpoint like when I'm when I was in that classroom like, and my classmates was saying, Hey, I'm majoring in criminal justice because my father is a lawyer or my dad is a judge. And I'm like, no, I'm majoring because I'm like this victim, but technically I'm not a victim mm-hmm. because men in my family, you know, did some crazy stuff. Um, but we're often forgot about like that narrative of that woman is often forgot about. Like even my mom, my mom, her story is just often forgot about. And right. here she was left to pick up these pieces, you know, of this system that really was designed to just break up our family. Um, so yeah, and I I can't imagine
1: how difficult or challenging it may have been to sort of produce or to sort of direct a documentary like this. Can you, Kiara and and Zara, uh, talk about how some of the challenges that took place uh, when
2: filming? Um, yeah, and um, the, ch- the challenges of creating any documentary, and you guys forgive my voice, I'm just recovering from life as as is happening in 2022. Um, you know, the, the challenges of creating any type of, you know, media or art uh, is, especially when you're dealing with real human beings, is making sure you stay true and honest and accurate to the humanity of those human beings. The, The hardest part of this documentary was making sure that we respected the integrity of the relationship that Crystal had allowed us to bridge with her family and friends and did not allow uh, the throes of life uh, to to let us make some sort of sensationalized, you know, reality TV, you know, uh, teaches audiences that everything is supposed to be hyper dramatic hyper traumatized and you know all these sorts of things, and there's a there's a, a there's a real ease uh, in sliding uh, into that type of storytelling, but we wanted to keep it uh, very close to the ground, very close to the heart, and as true and honest to the realities of what Crystal and her family were dealing with throughout. Uh, and that's difficult because it requires patience. The easy way to do it is to just go for those. Horrible, traumatic moments. It's like mm-hmm. drama, 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 drama. Mm-hmm. You just grab that, you throw it in the movie, you slap it out there to the world, um, and um, th- it can be very disingenuous and very disrespectful to the family because when they watch that back, played and you know their life consolidated. There, I mean, we were filming this or Lisa and Zara started uh, over over six years ago. Mm-hmm. So we were filming with the family for a very long time. So if you think about consolidating that much life to an hour and a half uh, and and how, which moments, even like, even if you go back through your iPhone and look at the pictures, you know, like which moments you chose to capture and all the stuff that gets left out, you can imagine what you could make somebody's life look like. So the the, the most challenging part was to make sure that we represented fairly and accurately and uh, in a way that so many members of the family, especially with a young child involved, is gonna be seeing himself grow up on film, um, may s- s- stay uh, genuine to themselves, you know? And, and they still feel that the, the uniqueness and the specialness of their humanity and their personality rings through the screen and not just moments and moments and beats and trauma and you know, or joy or whatever, whatever those, you know, those uh, emotional beats are. So that that was hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was hard. And then of course, sifting it down when, when I came on, Zara and Lisa had been filming for quite some years. Uh, and the first thing we had over 400 hours of footage mm-hmm. and just starting, beginning to go through and understand what the story was. And these are two really great storytellers, two great journalists who, are 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 leaning into the art of documentary for the first time so the story that they trying to get the story that they wanted to tell and the material that they capture to unite mm-hmm. in a way I that the felt balance, organic yeah.
0: mm-hmm. yes
2: was you know and we had a, a brilliant editor Susanna Herbert who came onto the project and like her first job was to sit through those 400 hours of footage and watch every minute to to know what was there and to know what the director saw when they were out there in the world with Crystal and her family, with their friends, what they saw, what they felt, what they felt was important, right? Because that's the first way to, to to understand what the story is. When did they turn the cameras on? When did they turn the cameras off? You know, what when did they, you know, when were they feeling the urgency to to be present? When were they leaning in and when were they pulling back? Um, and she was able to mine all of those moments. and and recreate the world, all of the, dare I say characters, we need a better term for that, but all of the people in the film and all of their rich and deep humanity in in our film. Mm
1: -hmm. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I, I, I don't know if you had anything to add, Zara, to that.
0: I, I just wanted to say, you know, it really came from, you know, deep, conversation and a lot of transparency um kind of across all lines yes Mm -hmm. Lisa and I were constantly having conversations about what we were filming and um we were having conversations with Crystal off camera you know just on the phone through text through Instagram um and then when Kiera came on you know it was a conversation of both really needing her skill as an experienced filmmaker and her input as a woman who had also experienced um, this in in part. And then, you know, Susanna's input as the editor was not being there for everything and watching everything. And what is she actually seeing? Mm -hmm. I wanted
1: to ask, you know, what has the reception been like since the film initially premiered? um, for, for, you know, behind the scenes, you guys, directors, producers and everything. And and for you, Crystal, for people who have, who had no knowledge of, of what you were doing and now do, uh, what do things look like now?
3: Um, I'll start, um, things now, I think, I'm slowly taking it in. I'm slowly um, just getting back into the space of just telling my story because for a a minute, I really, you know, just took a break. Like I kind of like, you know... Once my, my father and my brother came home, you know, things, that's when real things really got real for me. Mm-hmm. So currently I'm like on this, this healing journey. And I, you know, as you know, we're doing different film festivals, just making sure that I'm able to stay consistent with the work that I have done as far as like, you know, therapy and, you know, working out things that really like that I need to keep going. And those was things that I was actually like taken away when I was like running this service, you know, I was not pouring into myself as much as I should, you know, I was cutting out, you know, my own Mm self-care, you know, not understanding, having a clear vision of what that looked like to really care for myself in this moment. Um, So just making sure that I'm just staying consistent with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, like the, the, the film, um, the film festivals and it being premiered is just really allowing me to, really just dig deeper into my feelings I think as I was going through it I kind of became so numbed and you know mm-hmm. they were there and they were recording or right. I was recording with my cell phone but in that moment I was n- always numbed you mm-hmm. know so each film festival really brings out a different emotion like even when we married on Mother's Day it brought out you know more emotions and me accepting like I'm really a mother mm-hmm. like yeah I adopted my nephew and we see that in a film but for years, it took, you know, I've really never embraced being a mother because I didn't give birth to him, Right. you know? So each film festival, it really just brings out a different set of emotions. And I just allow myself to, you know, really reflect on those emotions. Um, I'm still emotional, you know, each time that I watch mm-hmm. it. Uh, just because, you know, I'm able to now, you know, call my mom and say, Mom, you know, in this moment, you know this is how I was hurting. Or even my father, like, you know, dad, like in this moment when you first came home, I didn't know how to tell you that you were overstepping boundaries, but this was how you was overstepping boundaries. So, you know, I'm able to really, you know, watch the film. I'm thankful that, you know, my family has a film and like Kiara said, it's not like this reality, you know, show type film It's really something that's real, that a lot of women is really going through. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really just, you know, taking it all in and, you know, just making sure that I'm, you know, checking in with myself and even my family, you know, making sure that, you know, what's depicted out in the audience, you know, we're still working on behind the scenes.
2: You know, one of the things that we really wanted to do was open up this conversation about incarceration and try to remove some of the stigma that's associated with being externally incarcerated, which right. is what basically happens to people when they end up being the caregivers for people who are locked up in the system. And, you know, we don't we don't talk about it. And every time we screen this movie, people come forward and say, I've had this experience. Um, I've never seen it depicted in that way. I didn't even realize how much I was going through until I saw a going through it and realized I've been through all of that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and to open up these conversations, in hopes that we can sort of change the stigmas, so, you know, we don't we can get out of this. We don't talk about Bruno, no, 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 no <laughs> thing. We we're hiding all these things that we're going through, and therefore carrying the weight of that mm-hmm. around with us. You know, you spend all day Saturday going to see somebody in prison. All day Sunday, you're exhausted. Monday, you're back at work. Nobody understands what's the matter with you. It, nobody understands what you're going through. Right because uh, you're not the incarcerated person. So through the screenings, um, opening up those conversations and uh, having Crystal and her family, they've been there. At, at every screening, we've had uh, a representative of the film there to be able to receive these conversations so that we could hopefully take these this new, new knowledge and information back out into communities and continue to bridge gaps, you know, in, in Crystal's own.
0: You know, the response from women from the first iteration of this project, which initially was a multimedia project, photo, video, stories Mm -hmm. of women whispering, this is my experience too, you know, uh, I have a brother, I have a a brother-in-law and how stigmatized it is and how much weight that is to carry around. And at a screening recently, uh, a very old friend of mine, whose mother grew up in a very affluent, very white neighborhood, who her whole life, she had, her brother had been in and out. And she watched the movie Balling and afterwards said she had never been in a room with other people who had had the same experience and had never talked about it and had just never seen it before. And that connection was so deep, you know, to know that, that the film touched her in that way. And even though it was deeply s- sad for her that she really um, was able to connect. And that is just such a, an incredible experience to be able to bring to audiences and to be able to make those connections with mm-hmm. audiences and be able to have those conversations you know, across many, many different people who have had this experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And even myself, like as a kid growing up, um, you know, my mom would, and I would travel with my mother, you know, upstate to see, you know, my stepfather. And I remember having to get up at like three o'clock in the morning to make the bus by five. And it was a three hour drive and we only had 90 minutes. And then it was another three hour drive down. And, you know, I remember that whole feeling seeming normal to me. And it was treated like something that was that was normal, not something that was circumstantial. Like I was old enough to know that I was in a prison, but I think I wasn't old enough to understand the severity of what my mother was going through. And the film made me, it gave me a look on the, you know, I was able to step outside of a situation and say, Oh, so that's what happens to families. That's what happens to people. And I like that the film doesn't normalize the situation. It's just like, this is what it is. And also what I enjoy is there's a larger conversation there about the prison industrial complex and what it does to people and how unfair it is and how Black women are probably the biggest sufferers of that outcome and how nobody's paying attention to that. And then there's a bigger discussion about um, you know, mental health and self-care. That's there. so there's a lot of different things that the film tackles that I think everyone will be able to identify with something there. And so that's just my gushing two cents about about the film and and Chris like how is your how is your family doing? Um you know, I know the film was you know done over several years, and you know you've had tragedies and triumphs and just wondering how your family and your nephew's holding up
3: um right now, we're just in our healing phase um like you mentioned as far as like with self care, i currently once i you know shut down the the van service, I really got more intentional about my self care and you know, I started going to therapy um I was able to get my medical marijuana card here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go to this dispensary and I get cannabis, but these last few years, I just really just been studying so much on the, just the world on drugs and where we are. Um, So now it's my mission as I'm helping just other men and women get the medical marijuana card so they can start consuming, you know, properly from like responsibly from dispensaries. Um, and also just educating them on this whole war on drugs and how, you know, the war on drugs was created to send black and brown people and Hispanic people mm-hmm. to prison. Um, I think a lot of what's missing right now is just that education piece. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So I was able to advocate and educate my mom. And before, when I started consuming, she was like, oh no, I'm not smoking that. Oh no. And now my mom, she got her medical marijuana card. She's able mm-hmm. to go to Entry, you know, we're able to have, you know, dialogue and conversations about oh, well, which strain is you smoking now? And how did that make you feel? And, mm-hmm. you know, like really we're we're, we're both in therapy. Um, i I just decided that I'm gonna put my nephew into therapy. Um mm-hmm. uh, he 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 says he don't he don't think that he needed, it, but I think that it's just something that I can just start, you know, mm-hmm. just on like a bi-weekly basis. Um, but we're really just healing um and just really just taking it, you know, one day at a time. And my father you know, he's booked and busy. He, he now, you know, helps other people like remodel the house. Um, Like, he's just like that neighborhood, like fix it, man. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's fixing cars. He's, you know, helping with how people houses. Um, So I'm just so proud of him now. He's able to, you know, create his own network and his own, you know, friends. And that was even hard, you know, because when he first came home, he only had like, Two friends and me. Mm-hmm. So you know, he was just like just overpowering, you know, my space and just thinking that he had to be there. And now it's like, no, Dad, you can call and tell me how your day. You have to, you don't have to come by here and tell me how your right. day. Text <laughs> me or send a picture. Um, so we're learning each other. Um, he just bought me a bike. So like things like that that I like miss as you know a child. Now that I'm experiencing it. As I'm an adult, like mm-hmm. I can really, you know, appreciate like my dad just brought me a bike and you know, what's my favorite color? Um, so like little things that, you know, I, I wasn't able to forget that that I missed out on when I was a child. I'm still able to, you know, like work on our mm-hmm. relationship. And you know, we we're just taking it really one day at a time.
2: And you know, that's another very important aspect of what we hope the film is is highlighting out to the world, right? Because you know, you you hope your film will spark thought and conversation. Is like the generational trauma of incarceration. You know, it's not just happening to Crystal. You know, this, it's it's cyclical, and it's you know, it's you you witness one child having had not had her father, trying to save another child from not having his father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 sort of stepping in, and you realize <clears throat> whenever you see these black and brown faces you know, on the first 48 or on whatever, you know, on the nightly news or whatever, this one getting picked up and that one getting picked up and this one getting shot and that one getting shot. These are like, you can imagine the forest of humanity where these major, these beautiful trees are getting cut down, knocked down, pulled down. And then the ground is being uprooted at the same Mm -hmm. time. So it's like this, this unstableness, this unsteadiness that a woman like Crystal Young millennial woman would find herself in and need help, psychological help, medicinal help, you know, like support because all of those things that are supposed to be there to embrace her, to encourage her, to uphold her, to, to be her foundation are literally being, you know, pulled up, uprooted, cut down, chopped down, knocked down, you know, every which way. And if you've ever been lost, lost in a forest or lost anywhere, you, you can't see like, oh, like a bird's eye view, like, oh, it's only this big. The circle's mm-hmm. only this big. If you could just get like 10 feet out, you you'd be fine. No, you're in it and it's traumatic and everything around you is chaos. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't see more than 10 feet in front of right. So we hope this film gives you know that that broader perspective that people can can see outside of the chaos of the trauma that they're living in and find solutions for themselves and recognize that there are spaces where they can create hope, mm-hmm. safety, security, you know, those types of things and get support. Thank you all so, so much
1: for for coming onto the Scene to Scene podcast and really just, you know, giving the rundown of what you all were trying to accomplish with this. And uh, is the film going to be at any more film
2: festivals this year? Uh, yes we're doing the rise film festival in nashville that's coming up um, and we have you know hopes there's other festivals that are pending that we're waiting for a selection from um but you know we're also going to be creating our own uh, social impact campaign where we take the film out into certain communities we're we're devising and building on that um, as we speak so on our, our website which is a woman on the outside film.com you can find more information about where the film is screening and where we were planning on having screenings. And there's um, places there to reach out to us. If you have information or want to connect with us, or you think that there'd be a great community that needs to see our film, you know, maybe we could set up a screening wherever you are.
3: Yeah, I would love
1: that. I actually have uh, a few places because I live in Harlem right now. So there are a few places here that I think would, would be, would be great. I, I, you know, it automatically came to my head that I'd, I'd love to have a double feature of showing this and showing aftershock. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: um, I think those would be two great educational documentaries that people need to see of all communities, not just the the black community. Uh, but thank you all again, and I hope to see you on the circuit i'm going to be going to a couple of more things uh this year so i hope to see the film elsewhere and we can see each other in person again um and maybe share a coffee or something like that uh but thank you all i hope you have a wonderful tuesday and that is it for this episode of the scene to scene podcast take care
3: thank you Valerie. thank you
1: so much thank you